Stand by. Stand by. You have entered a locked orbit with Precinct Omega. Your data has been lodged and recorded. You have one message. Playing message from Precinct Omega. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Precinct Omega podcast. My name is Roby Jenkins. And this week I'm going to be doing what I think is going to be the first of two videos talking about 3D printing and their impact on the war games market. I've been asked by some of my viewers if I could maybe keep some of these videos a little bit shorter, which is why I'm breaking this into two and I'm going to try and make it a little bit more easily consumable. So there'll be some chopping as I go about. This episode is only loosely scripted though, so bear with me. In this first episode looking at 3D printing, I'm going to ask the question of is 3D printing going to be bad for Games Workshop? And there are two answers to that question. One is no it isn't and the other is yes it is. And it really depends on the perspective from which you look at both 3D printing and Games Workshop. So let's take a look at the reasons why it might be bad for Games Workshop. The Games Workshop business model has shifted in recent years. I say recent, I'm talking about the last decade. At one point it was pitched very firmly at what was called the pocket money market. Children between the ages of 12 and 17 and their doting parents who were happy to feed them money in return for funding their creative hobby. These days things have changed. The core demographic market for Games Workshop is males between the ages of 18 and 30. These are young, tech savvy and early adopters by nature. They also have large amounts of disposable income to spend. And the target market for 3D printers, particularly the domestic desktop 3D printers that we're seeing now, is young tech-savvy males between the ages of 18 and 30. You can see there is an overlap in the industry and they are pitching at the same people. If you look at the advertising material now for 3D printers, you will always see examples of tabletop miniatures or fantasy style science fiction figurines because they know that those are the kinds of people who are going to be their enthusiastic early adopters and it is the same market as the people to whom Games Workshop is ultimately pitching. Now that obviously doesn't mean that just because you're into Games Workshop miniatures and games that you're automatically going to be into 3D printing because there are some significant obstacles to getting into 3D printing even before we consider the cost of a 3D printer. The key ones are quality, speed and the learning curve. The issue with quality is that people simply see the current quality available in 3D miniatures, they compare them to the quality available of off-the-shelf miniatures sold by Games Workshop and they can see that there is a discrepancy. You are getting better looking miniatures by buying directly from Games Workshop than you are by printing at home. The problem with this for Games Workshop is that the 3D printing technology is rapidly improving. We've just seen the new Anycubic Photon Ultra has hit Kickstarter in the last two weeks and the quality of its now DLP standard, that's Digital Light Processing, is bringing the quality of your desktop printed miniatures very, very close now to off-the-shelf Games Workshop miniatures. The next problem is speed. 
because there's no denying it, it takes a while to print miniatures. And it's so much easier and quicker just to walk into a games workshop and pull them off the shelf. Instant speed. Even ordering from Games Workshop. You know, you have one to three day shipping now from Games Workshop. It's really easy to order something online and it'll be in your hands within a couple of days. Whereas with 3D printing, some of the larger miniatures in particular, you're talking about printing times of four, five, six sessions, each one lasting a day or half a day. You know, it does take a while to get through printing. Not to mention, of course, the fact that you can't just leave it alone. You know, printers aren't something that you can just set going and not pay attention to. Now, there are people who say they will print overnight or they'll set something printing and then walk away. Absolutely fine when you're experienced, you know what you're doing, but we're talking about people who are coming new to printing, why they would get in. An obstacle to them is this question of speed. Now, printers again are addressing this problem. The speed of printers is getting better. The reliability of printers is getting better. The direction of the technology is firmly against Games Workshop. And the third issue is the learning curve. I mean, a lot of people now say that 3D printing is like a hobby in its own right, that you have to invest time and energy and enthusiasm into learning how to use a desktop printer. And that's exactly like any new technology. Early adopters are getting into a technology when it's not perfect, when it's not been optimised for conventional domestic amateur use. But again, this is being rapidly attacked by the manufacturers and they're making it easier and simpler to get in. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that we're at the stage where anybody can simply pull off a 3D printer off shelf, set it up and get going with no doubts or concerns or queries. Now, there are people who have and there are people who successfully do that. But it's not something that you should necessarily go into 3D printing expecting to happen. But the gap between where we are now and where that is going to be is getting rapidly smaller. Uh, and I mean, within probably two to three years, you are going to be at the point where you can simply set up a 3D printer and get going with minimal additional knowledge beyond what you get in the manual required. These are the intrinsic obstacles to 3D printing as appealing to the wargamer market. And as you can see, those obstacles are being aggressively and systematically attacked by the manufacturers and the community behind 3D printing, and things are rapidly improving against the favour of Games Workshop's industry model. But there's no denying that there are also extrinsic obstacles to getting 3D printing into the wargaming market. And those extrinsic obstacles are something that the manufacturers fundamentally can't do anything about. But at the same time, they aren't going to stop people getting into 3D printing for very long. So the extrinsic obstacles are things like the perception of a lower quality of material. This idea that the resin that 3D printers are printing in is very brittle, that it's very light, uh, that it breaks really easily, it doesn't have the flexibility and the robustness of plastic or even high quality resins. Now, material scientists are working on this problem, but it's not really a technological problem so much as a perceptual one. The question of being, does the material that I'm working in matter? And anybody can look back at Games Workshop's history of materials use and see that there has always been resistance to new materials. When lead containing pewter was phased out for white metal, 
there was complaint. When white metal was phased out for resin, there was complaint. I mean, it was fine cast and everybody hated it. But let's overlook that. When that was phased out for a predominantly plastic focused model, there was complaints. But now the vast majority of people prefer plastic because that's what they're used to. And exactly the same thing will eventually happen to 3D printed miniatures. You will become accustomed to its properties and simply adapt to that being the new normal. It will be overcome simply by time. Similarly, there's this idea, this extrinsic idea in the community that 3D printing is somehow cheating, like it's not a proper hobby, like it's not um, as engaged with the process of making miniatures. And I think this, again, is a, a holdover from an earlier generation. And we've seen exactly the same thing happen in the past, this idea at some point that, you know, that converting has to be a certain way, that how you build and paint your miniatures has to be a certain way. I can remember early hobbyists complaining that acrylic paints rather than enamels was somehow cheating, that it, that it wasn't right that people should be using these new type of paints to paint their miniatures when they put in so much time to learn how to use enamels. Um, you know, it, it's just going to shift, it's just natural and it's going to change. And the last one, which I think is possibly the most interesting, is this idea that 3D printed miniatures are somehow unwelcome in clubs and tournaments and shops. Now, th there's no getting around the idea that they're probably unwelcome in, in Games Workshop shops. Um, but whether they're unwelcome in other contexts is entirely down to the organisers. And ultimately, what the organisers are trying to do is balance a good relationship with manufacturers versus a good relationship with their community. And that is predicated upon the idea that community tournaments, events and clubs are being supported by manufacturers. And the fact is, most are not. Most clubs, independent stores and tournaments are operating entirely on their own recognizance with no particular support from manufacturers. Certainly not financial support, some get some modest price support, but again, generally they are not reliant upon manufacturers. And if the push from the participants is in the direction of permitting the inclusion of non-manufacturer miniatures, 3D printed or not, then eventually the resistance to 3D printing in those environments is, is going to dissipate. Now, the big question, of course, which I started off at the beginning, is, is this bad for Games Workshop? And to an extent, it does look bad, but there are a lot of people out there saying, no, it's not a problem. Games Workshop have nothing to worry about from 3D printing. And I've got to say, they are not right. Um, Games Workshop definitely has some stuff to worry about. The question is, what is it that they actually have to worry about? And I think some people have maybe seen the wrong thing. So one of the arguments, for example, that people say Games Workshop doesn't have to worry about is piracy. They say Games Workshop doesn't have to worry about piracy because the people who were going to pirate Games Workshop's designs with 3D printing were never going to buy their miniatures in the first place. It's like current piracy, uh, resin or metal casting uh, in China or Russia of pre-existing designs from outside those countries. To say. Games Workshop doesn't worry about them because 
The people who buy them were never going to buy the originals anyway. They've not lost any sales. And in any case, it's a very, very tiny fragment of the market. And all of that is absolutely true. But, I mean, the obvious parallel to draw is to look back at the music market at the birth of the MP3 boom and the shift away from physical music sales to digital that we now see as sort of normalised. And it is true that the industry itself hasn't really suffered, but it has had to make some substantial changes to how it does business in order to survive. And a lot of companies have gone out of business as a result of that shift. Uh, you know, companies that relied upon retail sales have gone and Games Workshop is fundamentally a retail market. So if they are reliant upon their shops selling things, then there is going to be some measurable impact. Now, the question is whether that impact is enough. And people have said, well, piracy is only such a small segment of the market that it's not going to be a problem for Games Workshop. They don't have to worry about it. But in fact, when you think about Games Workshop as a business, what you have to ask is, what are their margins on what they're actually selling? Are those margins really so large that they can ignore a proportion of lost sales? Now, short answer is yes, they absolutely can. Their margins are very good, um, but they're not fantastic. I mean, if you look at the balance between their revenue versus their profits, I mean, their profits are very, very healthy, but they are not like 50% of their revenue. You know, we are talking about margins of, you know, 10 to 20%. And as a result, there is a point at which you've got to ask yourself, how much of a market can they lose before, yes, they're still making revenue, but their actual profits are diminishing rapidly. Um, and, and that's a question which Games Workshop has to answer. I, I can't answer that question. I don't have the insider view of GW's financials to be able to tell you whether that's a problem or not, but they would be fools not to be doing that work, not to be worrying about it at the very least. The other place we can look to see what the impact on Games Workshop might be is in their supplementary sales. So these are sales by Games Workshop of things that aren't miniatures. Uh, the, the classic example would be black library novels. And the question is, to what extent are people already prepared to pirate Games Workshop's Black Library novels? And again, I don't know the answer. I know for a fact that there are free downloadable pirated PDFs and EPUBs of Games Workshop novels all over the web. To the extent that I think people are downloading those who would otherwise have bought a copy, I'm genuinely not sure. Again, not something I can answer. I don't have the insight on Games Workshop's financials, but again, they can look at that as an indicator of what they could lose if their miniatures became digitized in the same way. And last, we have to talk about licensing. So licensing is a relatively small proportion of Games Workshop's revenue. If I remember rightly, and I haven't looked it up for this podcast, I think it was about 3% of their revenue last year was licensing. It was somewhere between 3 and 6%. So it's quite small. But what it's easy to forget is that licensing is pretty much pure profit. So even though it's only 3 to 6% of their revenue, as a proportion of their profit, it's a much larger chunk. And 
if Games Workshop is going to rely upon licensing of its intellectual property for future reliable low effort income they are going to need to be very concerned about piracy because the ability to license 3D designs to legitimate producers is going to be an income stream that they're very interested in but those producers are not going to want to purchase that license if they are concerned that the effects of piracy are going to impact their own sales. So that's something that they are going to want to think about as well. The next argument that people make to suggest that 3D printing is not going to be a problem for Games Workshop is the simple one of loyalty, that people are loyal to Games Workshop as a brand and they are less likely to go to pirates simply because they wish to support the company. And, do you know, it's easy to underplay the value of loyalty, particularly when you're talking about a company of a substantial scale like Games Workshop and people tend to think well nobody's really loyal to a big company and I think actually in this case the arguments are correct. People are loyal to Games Workshop. People do feel that they are doing not just Games Workshop but their community a disservice if they acquire Games Workshop miniatures in a way that is illegitimate. Um, and you know I don't think that that should be underplayed and I think it is a genuine uh, supporting component of Games Workshop's business model. So to an extent I think people who make that argument are completely right. But thing is Games Workshop is a growing company. Their market saturation in their traditional markets of the United uh, Kingdom, the United States, Europe and Australia is reaching peak point. Now I'm not suggesting that they, they've ceased expanding in those markets, they haven't, but their degree of market saturation is, is at the point where gaining greater market hold requires greater and greater investments of time and effort on their part in terms of marketing and outreach to achieve a greater penetration in that market. However, there is a great big potential market for Games Workshop in what's called the BRIC countries. That's Brazil, Russia, India, China. And I would generally expand that to say South America, Russia and the Far East. But BRIC is the core market. Reason being that Brazil, Russia, India and China represent huge uh, populations to begin with, growing middle classes with more disposable income. I realise Brazil is going through a bit of a challenging time right now, but they still fit within that category. Um, and those are markets where Games Workshop has a presence and has local enthusiasm and has enormous potential to grow and, and vastly increase their sales, particularly in Russia and South America, but also in India, China and the Far East. But culturally, those countries have no institutional loyalty to Games Workshop. And there is a much greater willingness within those populations as customer populations to go to illegitimate sources of goods to save money. So their ability to achieve greater market penetration in the BRIC countries is going to be severely impacted by a rise in the availability of piratable digital products. And the last main argument that people make to suggest that Games Workshop doesn't need to worry about 3D printing is the one of quality. Now, I've already touched upon quality, so I 
won't rehash it in a big way, but people are basically saying, well, you get better quality miniatures if you buy directly from Games Workshop. And whilst that has been true, really up until very recently, it is rapidly becoming less and less true. And increasingly, the level of detail quality that's going to be achievable from 3D printing is actually going to exceed that available from plastic uh, high-impact uh, polystyrene moulds. And those are all the reasons why Games Workshop does need to be worried about 3D printing. But, on the other hand, is 3D printing actually going to be a problem for Games Workshop? And the short answer is no, absolutely not. What it is, is an enormous possibility and a huge opportunity for Games Workshop just to make vastly more profit. Reason being, Games Workshop is ultimately a manufacturing setup. They spend a lot of money just making product that they then have to claw back by selling it at a profit. If we were to move to a situation where Games Workshop didn't have to invest any money in manufacturing because all the manufacturing was sited at the customer's home, every sale would effectively be pure profit, less the administrative cost of running the business and paying the people who create the designs. So 3D printing for Games Workshop isn't a problem as long as they have a plan to address how to deal with a world that has shifted to 3D printing. Now, there does need to be a big question about how much is the world going to shift to 3D printing? Is this really a technology that is going to end up in every home? Are we going to head towards the Star Trek future of replicators where we ask Alexa to print us a mug of coffee? I don't know. I mean, we're talking about sci-fi stuff here, really. But it is very hard not to see the growth of the 3D printer market, the increase in enthusiasm for 3D printing, the increasing ubiquity of 3D printing in manufacturing and construction and prototyping and miniatures design, and not to see this as an inevitable transition that is going to follow, that the 3D printer will come first uh, to become as ubiquitous as a dishwasher or a microwave. So if we assume that that is the trajectory that is going to come over the next five to ten years, what is it that Games Workshop can do to make sure that it retains control over its intellectual property? And that is the huge question. It is a case of once people adopt the idea and agree that they can just print stuff because it's now easy, it's accessible, the printer is right there, the materials are cheap and recyclable, why would you not bother? Then people are going to be printing stuff. But then the question is, how does Games Workshop retain control? Because right now they have control because they control the manufacturing. Once they give up control of the manufacturing, how do they hang on to that intellectual property and make sure that when you are printing a Space Marine, they are earning money?
I am not an expert in this field. Um, I believe there are two solutions. One is already with us, but is going to require quite significant work to make it support this future that I'm describing. That said, big companies are not afraid of significant work when they can pay other people to do it for them. So maybe it'll happen. That solution is non-fungible tokens, NFTs. Now, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but I haven't done it in one that's up on YouTube before, so this might be new to you if you're only watching the YouTube versions of the podcast. So I'm not going to go into a big spiel about what NFTs are. I am not an expert, and I will certainly get something wrong. But if we think of them in terms of unique tags on a piece of creative art, that means that art cannot be duplicated and also duplicate the tag. What this means is it can create what amounts to a single version of a digital product, a version that can be passed on but cannot be copied. So in the example we're talking about, I'm going to buy a Space Marine from Games Workshop as an STL, as a printable digital file. I buy it, it comes stamped with an NFT, a non-fungible token. That means I have effectively bought a license to print that Space Marine, and I can print that Space Marine as many times as I like, because I've got the token to do it. Now, the token may be sophisticated enough that every time I want to print it, I have to pay Games Workshop. So I could have an account with Games Workshop so that each time, you know, I might buy that Space Marine for, say, £10. Each time I print it, I then owe Games Workshop another 10 pence. And that builds up on an account, and I get a bill every month, and I pay it through direct debit, based on the number of times I've printed a design. Or I might buy it once for £15, and I don't have to run up a tab. I can print it as many times as I like, but I've paid a higher price for it. And an NFT could theoretically be tailored to do either of those things with the right hardware. The other advantage that an NFT has is that I own this thing. I can sell it on to someone else. But having sold it on, I then lose it. I no longer have the NFT, which means I can no longer print that design. The person I've passed it on to can print that design under the same terms that I originally bought it on. Either they can print it as many times as they like, or each time they print it, they owe Games Workshop some money. Problem with this solution, one is currently the technology to do that does not exist. And, sorry, I should have said the software to do that. NFTs don't exist in that form yet. There is no technical reason why they couldn't, but there would need to be a software infrastructure to support it. That software infrastructure does not currently exist, as far as I know. If you're in the tech field and you know better, please tell me. But as far as I'm aware, that infrastructure doesn't exist. The other thing that doesn't exist is a uh, memorandum of understanding or terms of agreement between the manufacturers of domestic desktop printers and the creators of digital files, the artists, to ensure that the printer will only print legitimate files. Now, I don't know how much oomph 
the creative industry would need to have with printer manufacturers in order to have a dialogue that would lead to that. To lead to printers being sold with hard installed software that would prevent that printer printing files that didn't come with the creator's authorization to print. Um, Games Workshop alone probably doesn't have the clout to do it, uh, but the creative industry, the global creative industry, the global intellectual property industry is very powerful. Your Sonys, your Warner Brothers, your Disneys, even when we're getting down to miniatures and model manufacturers, people like Tamiya and Bandai in Japan have a great deal more financial influence and clout than Games Workshop. And if all of those were to come together, um, I believe they could probably work with governments to require the manufacturers of 3D printers to install that kind of software. Uh, but it doesn't exist yet. So it, it requires industry coordination and collaboration to make it happen. But the creative industry has historically been very good at collaborating to lobby legislators, to support the protection of intellectual property. I see no reason why they wouldn't begin to do the same thing over the next few years if they haven't already started. Now, I said that NFTs were the first of two possible solutions. The other possible solution is far less technologically intensive, but it isn't quite as reliable. And that is customer service. The idea is built upon the existing framework that Games Workshop has already put in place and which they call Warhammer Plus. Now, Warhammer Plus is a digital platform through which enthusiasts, fans of the Games Workshop product can gain access to additional digital content supporting the Games Workshop hobby in all of its forms. And digital, digital miniatures, STLs, whatever format they may come in, are an obvious addition to Warhammer Plus. So immediately you've got the subscription model that supports this, but also if you build into Warhammer Plus this level of customer support that means that people aren't just buying a model and printing it, but are also buying advice and support and additional content and extra options and more material that would be very time consuming and complicated for pirates to try and offer as well, immediately you are offering people the digital product not as a, a standalone product, but as a component of a lifestyle package into which the hobbyist buys. So Games Workshop likes to talk about the Games Workshop hobby as a separate thing to miniatures wargaming, which is a clever marketing move, but makes sense in this context, when you think about people deciding to buy a subscription to Warhammer Plus, and that is their gateway to the whole hobby, their gateway to 3D printed miniatures. And it also offers a soft path into 3D printing for Games Workshop. And I would predict that within the next year, maybe two, Games Workshop will start to offer exclusive STLs through Warhammer Plus. Whether they'll come with an NFT straight away, I doubt. I suspect that they will be happy to risk them leaking into the public 
on the understanding that we've discussed before, this idea about loyalty and this idea about quality that people will prefer to get them as part of a subscription. But I can see them testing the waters through Warhammer Plus, seeing if people are interested in downloading STLs, if it creates any kind of an uptick in, in take up of the Warhammer Plus offer, whether existing Warhammer Plus subscribers are keen and quick to download them, and also to measure the pirating market because they'll be watching to see where do they leak, where do they end up, where do they see them appearing where they can't trace it back to a specific sale. That would be very interesting and that is very much what I would expect to be a first step for Games Workshop. Now it could genuinely be the first and last step. If it's successful, if it works, I could see them just going, no, we're going to release 3D models now as part of this growing lifestyle subscription that is Warhammer Plus. So it's not just here's some fun extra digital content with animated films and, and digital books and stuff like that, but it's actually, a, as I say, it's a lifestyle subscription where everything you need that can be obtained digitally, including the miniatures, is obtainable through Warhammer Plus. As I say, there's much less control to it for Games Workshop. They can't automatically dictate through that who is going to download their products and prevent them pr from proliferating uh, outside their control. But on the other hand, they're offering enough other material alongside those miniatures that it encourages people to buy in and to leverage that loyalty that we talked about before to retain interest. But as I said, loyalty is extremely fickle and there are huge growth markets for Games Workshop in the BRIC countries that don't possess that cultural loyalty towards the, country, to, towards the company. So in itself, it could be risky. As a short-term attempt, as a test of the market, I'd be very surprised if Games Workshop didn't try it and I would expect the NFT solution to be a more long-term option that the creative industry as a whole is going to drive behind the scenes through our legislative framework rather than Games Workshop leading the way. But there is my prediction. Watch out for digital miniatures on Warhammer Plus in the next two years. All of this adds up to the fact that 3D printing both is and isn't a problem for Games Workshop. Is it a threat to Games Workshop's current business model? Absolutely it is, for a lot of reasons as I've just described, because we can't just think about Games Workshop's business model as it applies to me or my next door neighbour or the store down the road. Games Workshop is a global business that is focused on growth and expanding its profit all over the globe and in that respect they cannot afford to lose portions of their margin or portions of their market to a piracy ready population. Okay. However, is it a threat to Games Workshop in the bigger picture? No, absolutely not. Games Workshop is a very well established, very wealthy, in their own right, quite powerful creative rights company and there is no question that they are going to have a plan for this and that they are going to be participating in plans to make the world ready for 3D printing if and when we get to it. Now, the other caveats I need to throw out is maybe my sci-fi picture of the future is wrong. Maybe 3D printers are only ever going to be a fringe hobby for tech-savvy early adopters like you and me. Um, that said, I don't do 3D printing yet myself, although I would very much like to. There is a second strand 
to this story though, which is why I said this is a two-parter. Games Workshop is not the war games industry. They are just the elephant in the room. There is a whole other segment of the tabletop wargaming industry that has very little to do with Games Workshop and their response, their reaction and how they are going to be threatened by 3D printing is very, very different and I will talk about that in the second part of this two-part podcast. Warning. Warning. Docking clamps released. Decoupling complete. Thank you for visiting Precinct Omega Star Pharaoh. Safe journeys. Until next time.